Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. Aren't you glad to be back at church? I am. Such a great, love to see your beautiful faces. Y'all look beautiful. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look extra cute today. Come on. I've been waiting to say that for a while. Hey, could we do one? I just want to pray, if we can, one more time. Would you guys mind standing up? I know this is for all the Catholics that came today. I know we asked you, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. Um, I just, I really feel like that, uh, that we need to pray for our city. A lot of unrest, a lot of things going on. Um, a lot of division happening in our country, and uh, we need to take authority over that. And uh, it starts right here. It starts in our hearts. If we want revival, it starts in me personally. Um, we can't expect everybody else to do something if we're not willing to do something. And I just want to let you know as a church that we are, uh, we're, we're pushing forward, and we never closed, by the way. Just wanted you to know that. We, we stayed open the whole time because we're never going to shut down. But I just want to let you know that, that uh, I've been praying, thinking about you, and thinking about what's been going on in our, in our city, not just from the two months, but also the last week, and um, the challenging things that are happening you know, last night and the night before, and even right now in our city. Um, so can we just pray? Just, just believe God. Father, we just come before you today, and we're just so grateful for your presence, God. Just like we sang, we need, we need more of you. And God, we just come as your people, as your church. We stand before you, God. We're, we're like Nehemiah. We're ready to rebuild the wall. Father, we're like Isaiah. Father, we're, we're here. Use us. Use our voice. Use our hands. Use our feet. Use our heart, use our eyes, God, use whatever, Father. We, we thank you that the name of Jesus is above every name. It's above racism, it's above bigotry, it's above prejudice, it's above hate, it's above violence, it's above hurt. Thank you for the name of Jesus. And we just plead the blood of Jesus over our families, over our hearts, over our minds, we plead the blood of Jesus over Charlotte. We plead the blood of Jesus over Minnesota and these other regions, these families that have been hurt, wounded, broken. And Father, we join hands supernaturally across our nation. And we stand for righteousness, God. We stand for Jesus. We stand for the church, God. We stand for love and peace. And Father, we ask you to speak to us, God, and just help us be what you've called us to be, whatever that means, God, whatever that means in our families, whatever that means to our children, whatever that means in our city, whatever platform that we may have, God, we ask you just to use us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just welcome your presence 
into our living rooms right now. God, we welcome your presence into our homes. We welcome to your, your presence right now in this church, in this environment. We need you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus just a big hand clap today? And then go ahead and be seated. Also want to thank you guys for joining us online. I know many of you are in house parties and maybe you're just by yourself or with your family. Thank you for joining in. Get your pins out. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Come on. I'm excited. I couldn't think of a better day to have church than Pentecost weekend. I mean, this is, if you don't know what that means, Pentecost simply means 50. And it, it, it's basically the, the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out in the church on believers. 50 meaning 50 days after Passover. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk specifically, we're in the series called Upper Room, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit over the last month, and, and my wife is preaching over at the uh, South End campus, Olin preached at our Lake Norman campus, and I'm with you. And uh, next week, we start a brand new series called You Asked For It, which we're going to ask, ask, some, we're gonna ask, ask and answer some questions over the next few months, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that. But I want to talk specifically today about being a part of something bigger, a part of something bigger. You know, when God called us to the church, you know, when, when you decided to take your step into be a part of the church, which is kind of where I want to go today, you are now a part of something bigger. Look over at your neighbor and say, you're a part of something bigger. Now, if you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 16 is... Uh, the first time Jesus mentions the church. It's the first time that the church is mentioned in the Bible. I love this story in verse 13, Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that, the son of, that I, the son of man, am? What are they saying on Facebook? What are they saying on Instagram about me? If you want to just make it 20, 2020. So they said, well, some say, hashtag John the Baptist. Some say hashtag Elijah. Some say hashtag Jeremiah. Some of, some, some of them say the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? You know God asks us that question all the time, by the way. He asks us who we say he is. Because I think we all go through seasons of understanding God in specific ways, in new ways. New ways that we can see him, know him, connect with him. And I think in this season, I believe God is asking us, who do, who, who do you say that I am? And he said to them, but who do you say? And Simon Peter. Now, whenever Peter speaks up, you got to get nervous because you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. Most of the time, it's not good. However, this time, he knocked it out of the park. Simon Peter answered and said, and this gives us hope, by the way, that we can, men, we can say the right thing every now and then. I'm just saying. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, revealed this, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let me just take a time out here because I want to explain what happened right here. Up to this point, the only way that you could get a word from God is you had to go to the tabernacle, you had to go to the temple, take a sacrifice, and then the priest would basically move on your behalf. The significance of this was that now Peter had opened himself up to the point where now he could hear the voice of God, which is pretty amazing to think about. And this is what 
the church is today is our ability to actually process the word of God. The church is not a building. It's you and me. We're now the hands and feet of Jesus, by the way, if you didn't know that. You are a representation of Christ on on this earth. Jesus is the head. We are the body. We are the church of the living God. And so so he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Something happened, Peter, in you that I want to spend some time and talk about. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, what rock is he talking about? He's talking about this revelation, this connection with the Father. I want you to read these few words with me. Could you read it all together? Even those of you at home, just read this. Say, one, two, three. I will build my church. One more time. I will build my church. Three's a charm. I will build my church. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this is the first mention of the church. And we can see with this first mention that that there's form and function as a result of our role in the church. I'm going somewhere with this. Follow me, okay? Ultimately, that we are a part of something that's bigger. Let me ask you a question. When you came to church today, what did you think about? When you walked in here, what did you feel? When you drove up on the property, when you thought about coming to church today, what did what was going on in the inside of it? Did you think, well, you know, today we're going to church, you know, um, or maybe watching online because my grandma did and my mom did, and this is just what you do in North Carolina on a Sunday. This is what you do is you go to church. I mean, that's what I do. Matter of fact, if my grandma calls me this afternoon, I can let her know that I went to church, so she's going to be happy for me. That's, some of us think that way. Like, it's just something we check off. Some of us, we think, you know, I don't really think much about it. You know, my wife made me come today. So I'm here, you know, hopefully she's going to cook me something afterwards. That's the deal we have. I go to church, she cooks me lunch. That's the way it works. Now, some of us think that way. Some of us think when we walk in here, we feel better about ourselves. Like we come to church and we feel good. Like something happens in our hearts where we feel pure. We feel, we feel connected. Some of us, when we walked in here, we, we expected to connect with God. Like to hear something, to connect with him in a way. Like God's going to speak to me today. Like I'm, I'm in expectation of something that's going to happen. There's an exchange that's going to happen between me and God. Like so, some of us, maybe we feel judged. Maybe we're sitting on the back row and maybe you're watching today because you feel like if I walked in there, I would feel shame or I would feel Judged. Maybe you haven't walked in church in a long time because the last time you walked in, somebody looked at you or said something to you or didn't say something to you or, 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 or said something harsh to you and hurt you. That's how some of us feel about church. Some of us view church. I grew up, I, I went to church almost every Sunday as a young, young boy. Didn't know God but went to church. I didn't really connect church and God. Because it really wasn't connected for me by my grandparents. My grandparents are the ones who took me to church. My Mimi and my Pawpaw. How many of y'all got some Mimi's and Pawpaws out there? I love You got to love Mimi and Pawpaw. My grandfather would pick me up on Fridays after school because my mom wanted to party on the weekends. And she didn't have, you know, she wasn't married. And so she got rid of Troy. 
and I would go to my grandparents. I hated it more than anything. I mean, I could not stand it. Love my grandparents. Hated to go to their house for the weekend. Left my friends. The only good thing about going to my grandma's house was food and Saturday morning cartoons. Some of y'all remember Saturday morning cartoons. From like 8 till about 1 p.m., you could watch some seriously good TV and eat. I just ate anything I wanted at, at my grandmother's house. And then we would go to church on Sunday mornings. I didn't know really what church was about. Uh, we went. We parked in the same parking spot every single Sunday. We sat in the same seat. And really what eventually I found out that church was for them was status. It was about what they drove and who they sat by and who they knew. really wasn't had any connection with God until one day... I walked into a church much like Freedom House Church, and there was something present. Now, I didn't know that something was the Holy Spirit, and everything changed about the dynamic. I accepted Jesus, and all of a sudden, I realized, man, there is something different about church. Like, I can have this connection with God, not just on a weekend, but actually, I can carry him wherever I go. See, that's what Pentecost is all about. When Jesus made the statement that you will do works and greater than me, what he was saying is collectively we can see the impact or the influence of the power of God on the planet. Listen, if we, wanna, if we really want to see change in our country, it starts right here with us. We can't expect the government to change it. We can't expect the media to change it. And let me tell you, your comment on somebody's Facebook page ain't going to change it. The only thing that's going to change it is a changed heart that realizes that I am a part of something bigger. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a part of something bigger. I'm a part of something bigger. So what is the church? The church is the spiritual agent of God. It's the spiritual agent of God. It is the way in which God does things on the earth. Notice what Jesus said to Peter. He says, you can, you can bind things on earth and they will be bound in heaven. You can loose things on earth and they will be loosed in heaven. Jacob was in uh, Genesis 28. That's your homework this week is read Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is having this dream and he sees a ladder where Angels are ascending and descending up into heaven. He, he wakes up. He says, I'm going to call this place the house of God. You know, the church is the place in which we are to release the power of God onto the earth. You and me together. That's why Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I show up. Notice that Jesus didn't say that you would loose things in heaven so that they could be loosed on earth. He said, you can loose and bind things on earth, and they will be loosed and bound in heaven. We have power on this planet in order to see things happen through us. The church is God's tool to reconcile mankind to himself. What else? What did he give to Peter? What did he say? I will give you the keys to the kingdom. What are keys for? What are keys for? They're for access, for You can get in out. If I gave you the keys to my house, that means I'm giving you 
access to my house. So what he was saying, Peter, listen, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the ability to access the kingdom of God for other people. Every time you proclaim the gospel, you are opening a door saying, hey, you know what? You can come through this door and your marriage will never be the same. You can come through this door and your community will never be the same again. You can come through this door and your heart will never be the same again. Your life will be completely different. Why? Because God has given me the keys to the kingdom. That's what the church is. The church is the hope of the world. Why? Because Jesus is in charge and we are his body. The agency in which God moves. I love the way Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, he is in charge of it all. By the way, God's in charge, not me and you. Just want you to look. look, Come on, just agree with me. Because I know sometimes we want to be in charge. I know I do. But I'm not. I'm not even in charge of this church. I'm not. I'm just a little S shepherd. God is in control. You say, well, well, what does that mean? That means I do my best to try to listen to him. Now, am I going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Made a lot of them. Just like you've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. But we do our best. But Jesus is the one who's ultimately in charge. This isn't my church. It's his church. I got to be real careful that I don't love his bride more than I love mine. I got to be real careful. Because my job is not to love God's bride. My job is to love his and love mine and feed his. That's my job. When I get those out of order is when I can get burned out and get in trouble. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, I love this part, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. This is important. We got to capture this. The church you see, it's not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, in God's eyes, the world revolves around the church, not the other way around. Which means that we're a part of something bigger. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Let me me sum this up for you. If we want to see change, we do it through the church. We do it through the church. You're not going to vote change in. I know know, that's what we want. We could just change the leadership. No, no, no. What's going to change is when we get under his authority and walk it out. So I want to talk specifically about what the church is. In the Greek, it's the Greek word ecclesia. It means an assembly or a gathering of people for a particular purpose. The word ecclesia comes from the root eklego, which means to be called out. That's why God asks us to be different. Though we live in the world, we can't be of the world. There needs to be something unique about you. When people look at you, your family, your kids, the way you raise your kids, the way you deal with life, the way that you respond, the way, the way that things happen to you. Now, this, you know, I play golf a lot, and I see this a lot on the golf course. You can learn a lot about somebody by playing golf with them. Because when they hit a bad shot, how they respond to that bad shot will tell you a lot about their character. If they snap their club and start cussing, no matter how saved they are, you really find out who they are and what they're all about. But I love just playing golf, just watching people respond to negativity and problems. Because when you play golf, you have a lot of problems. And you can tell a lot about someone in regards to how they respond to life. And we're supposed to be different. 
as the church. That's what Pentecost is all about. It's God saying, I'm going to pour this presence, this power on you and separate you out so that you can be different, so you can have more influence on what I've pulled you out of. Not so you can judge everybody that you're different from. No, you're supposed to come out so you can draw them in by the power and the presence of God. That's why Jesus said, and you shall receive power and you will be my witnesses. You're going to witness about me. You're going to share about me. You're going to show people about me. Help, help understand about who I am and, and what I can do. So what is Pentecost all about? How does Pentecost play into all this? Pentecost is a baptism of the believer. God fills us, fills you and me. The Bible explains that there are three baptisms that we can participate in. Any, any human being on the planet can participate in three baptisms. The first baptism is the baptism into the body of Christ. When you become a Christian, you are your old life has passed away, which leads to the second baptism, which is baptism in water. So one is an inward change. The other is for everybody else to see. That's why it's so important to be baptized. It's so that people can see, listen, I'm a different person now. My old life has been washed away. I've become new. But many people don't participate in the third baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All through the scripture. All through the scripture you see it. All through the book of Acts. It talks about this, this baptism of power. But also, Pentecost is the birth of the church, the New Testament church. And as a result of that, what we see at Pentecost is we see four cornerstones or qualities of the church that I want to talk about real quick, okay? Four qualities that you and I are to participate in as we operate, as we are the, the body of Christ, the church of the living God. We're part of something bigger. Look, look at your neighbor. Say, I'm a part of something bigger. 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 Number one is people have to be present. Present. Now, Jesus told his disciples Right before he left, he said, listen, guys, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to sit next to God, and I'm going to intercede for you. But I need you to wait in Jerusalem for 10 days, just 10 days. Can you just wait for 10 days? Because in 10 days, I'm going to pour out my, I'm, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and fill 10 days. Everybody say 10 days. 10 is always the number of testing in the Bible. Whenever you see 10 in the Bible, it's testing. You're being tested. Now, what, what do tests do? Tests do not teach you anything. Tests reveal what you've already learned. Are you hearing me? Tests, they, they don't teach you anything. When you took a test in school, they never taught you anything. They just showed you what you didn't know or did know if you were good at taking tests. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. They, they didn't teach you anything because you should have learned it before you took the test. At least that was the way it was supposed to be. Pop quiz. How, how many of y'all hated pop quizzes? Come on. Wanted just to ball up and throw it at the teacher. Why was she giving you a pop quiz? Because she wanted to see if you were paying attention yesterday. That's exactly what happens to God. He wants to make sure you paid attention yesterday. Were you present yesterday? Were you present in what you were going through? I think in the last two months, were you present during the coronavirus? Were you 
present. Remember in the homeroom, if you're, if you're my age or close to my age, 35, I don't know why that's so funny. How many of y'all remember when they had a homeroom and you had to, they would say your name out? Troy Maxwell, and you weren't supposed to say here, you were supposed to say present. You couldn't say here, you had to say present. And then you did the I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. You would always, I would always follow if you were here, if you were present. Because there's a big difference between being here and being present. A lot of mom and dads are here, but they're not quite present at home. See, God, God expects us to be present. It says in Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Started on, on day 10 days or day 41 to day 50. On day 41, there were 500 people there, but only 120 left. 380 of them decided not to be present. I don't know about you, but I want to be present. Every Sunday, I want to be present. Every time we gather together, I want to be present. Anytime I have an opportunity for a life group, I want to be present. I want to be active. I want to be mindful. I want to be aware. My wife tells me all the time, I wish you would be present. She does. She tells me that all the time. You're here, but you're not really present, Troy. Any, any, any men know what I'm talking about? You ever heard that before? Are you listening? Oh, yes, sweetheart, I'm listening. What did I just say? I have no idea, but I'm listening. I'm hearing everything you said. I'm not processing any of it, but I'm hearing it all, baby. I'm hearing it all. <laughs> this is, women, you just got to understand, this is one thing men know how to do. Think about nothing. We are very good at thinking about nothing at all. We do it very, we are professionals at thinking about absolutely, how can you think about nothing? It's a gift from God. It is a gift from the Lord. You should learn. It's a wonderful thing to not think about anything. <laughs> Somebody should quote that. It's a wonderful thing. That'd be a good t-shirt. It's a wonderful thing to not think about anything. I want to be present. There's power. You ever, you ever missed out on being somewhere? And regretted it the next day? You ever missed out on, so your friends called you the next day? Oh, you should have been at the party. You're like, oh my gosh, I missed, I totally missed the party. They said, yep, your, your husband was there. I'm telling you right now. He was there. He had pretty green eyes, just like you like. He was six foot two, just like you like. Nice curly hair, just like you like. And you missed it. Why? Because you weren't present. Church, let's be present. Let's be mindful. Let's be aware of what, of what the Holy Spirit is asking of us in this moment, right now, in the state of our country. What does it mean to be present? What does it mean to be mindful, aware, present? Present. Number two. People have to pray. People have to pray. Prayer is, in my, my estimation, the most unused spiritual weapon of the church. Why? why? Why is that? Because it seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like I'm wasting my time when I pray. 
Like, is he really hearing me? Is it really going on? Let's be honest. Can we be honest in church? Anybody ever felt like that? Is it really working? Here's what happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. When you're present and you pray, things happen. Prayer, prayer, here's the way I like to say it. Prayer never happens as quick as you want it to. Never happens. Just I'll talk to Daniel. When you get to heaven, just ask Daniel about that. It took 21 days for him to get his answer, but he didn't quit. Prayer is that conversation that you have with God, that constant conversation. One of the scriptures that I used to wrestle with is, is 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? What it means is to be in a constant state of connection with God. Not allowing yourself to be disconnected. Does that mean I need to like put myself in a room and, and be a monk and just separate myself from the world? No, that would be useless. No, prayer is being connected with God in relationship to the world. Connected with God, influencing those around you by what you hear and connect with God with. That communication, that constant communication with God. It's not about how good you pray. Because we all know somebody that can just pray better than us. You hear him at the life group all the time. You go, man, that guy just prays good. He throws a little King James in there every now and then, a couple thighs and vows, and it's just like he flows really good. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with our heart. And if we really want to see change, if we really want to see something happen, it starts with prayer. If you want change in your marriage, it starts with prayer. If you want change in your job, it starts with prayer. Everything starts with prayer. It's the constant connection with God. And I'm going to give you a, a verse to pray. In the midst of what's going on right now. And it comes really, um, it's, it's in Amos chapter 5, verse 24. And this is the verse that Martin Luther King put in the majority of his messages. If you look at the messages that he preached about racial reconciliation, this is the verse that he used the majority of the time. It says, but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. I want you to notice the flow of the verse. It says, justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. One being vertical and one being horizontal. It can't, you can't have one without the other. We can't just be all on the side of justice or all on the side of righteousness. God is both a God of justice as well as a God of righteousness. Let me say it this way. Justice is dealing with the past. Righteousness is dealing with the future. So yes, we need to deal with the past. We need to feel the past, but we also need to deal with the future. We need to reconcile the future. So that's the prayer. If I, if I could just, as your pastor, just encourage you to pray. Pray for justice and righteousness. God, pour out your justice like water from heaven. And God, let us as a nation understand what it means to be reconciled right with God. Right with God, because that's where it's all going to start. Number three is people will have power. Talking about the four cornerstones of the church from Pentecost, people will have 
power. Verse 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't deal with spiritual problems with reason. We can't. We can't logically fix a spiritual issue. Look at me for a second. Every problem that we deal with, every challenge that you face is a spiritual problem. The coronavirus is a spiritual issue. You say, no, it's a disease. Yeah, but it's still a spiritual issue. Well, what about social distancing? Okay. But it's still a spiritual issue. Because at the root of it is fear. And fear is a spirit. And we got to deal with the spiritual thing. We can't do it by reasoning. Sure, we can do practical things to help, but ultimately we have to deal with it from a spiritual platform. And so any, any, anything that you deal with in your life is going to be dealt with first and foremost from a spiritual foundation. Here's, here's what the Bible says about it. It says, we do live in the world, but we do not fight in the same way the world fights. Can I just help you with social media? You are not going to win that argument. You're just not going to do it. I have yet to have a situation happen where I have disagreed with somebody on Instagram or Facebook and then all of a sudden go, you know, you're right. (laughs) Dang it. I've been fighting, been trolling everybody for the last six months and what you said changed my entire life and I'm ready to be redeemed. Never happened. In the history. Maybe it happened with you, but it's never happened with me. Because we're dealing with, we're trying to deal reasonably with a spiritual issue. And we can't, we can't deal with it that way. That's what the church was meant to do, was to get to the root of it spiritually. So, so, so when, when, when Jesus said, are you guys tracking with me okay? Okay, I'm almost done. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Two aspects, two spokes to the wheel of the power of God. Two spokes to this wheel. The first spoke we've talked a little bit about, and that's dunamis. The miracle working power of God, dunamis. Dunamis is the, is the, is the, the part of the power of God that we, we enjoy. We love talking about the dunamis. That's the, the earthquake. That's the, the fire. That's the blind eyes open, deaf ears open. That's the lame walking. That's Jesus walking on the water. That's Jesus calming the sea. That's the dunamis side. That's the power, the miracle working. But the dunamis would never be present without the exousia. Exousia is the authority side of power. So you got two sides to this that have to work together. The dunamis would not be present without the exousia. The power, the miracle working power of God would not be present without the authority that comes along with it. A lot of people want the dunamis, but they don't want to submit to the authority side. They they, they love the the miracle part, but they don't like the obedient part. But both work together. Matthew chapter 8, there was a a young man, a centurion, who came to Jesus who understood the boat. He said, I got a servant that's sick, and he needs healing. If you can just, Jesus, if you can just speak a word. If you just speak a word, just speak a word for me, just speak a word, then I know he'll be healed. Jesus said, well, I'll come to your house. He goes, you don't need to come to my house. See, he understood the dunamis. Speak the word, he'll be healed. 
But he also understood the exousia, the authority. He said, I know who you are, Jesus, because I understand authority. I say, did this one go? And he goes. And this one come? And he comes. And I know you are exactly like that. That you are under the direction of your father. And whatever you say goes because your father says it to you first. He understood. Because the level of authority that you walk in is determined by what you, by what you walk under. If you want more authority, you got to get under more authority. Let me say that again. If you want more authority, you've got to get under more authority. That's the power of God. And that's, that's how God works. That's how in the church we'll see it moving. We can't just separate ourselves out. we got to be one, united, and dunamis, and exousia. And then here's the last thing is we have to proclaim. Everybody say proclaim. we got to preach. we got to talk about it. we got, we got to preach the gospel. It says this in Acts chapter 2. It says, And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, there were, there were thousands of people there on the day of Pentecost. Thousands and thousands. He's, and he preached to them. And what did he talk about? He talked about his life. He said, Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't know the Bible. That's okay. I can't quote the scripture. And if I start talking about Jesus, somebody's going to argue. Let me tell you one thing that they can't argue with. Your story. They can't. They can't argue with your story. They can't argue about what you've been through. Because you've been, and you will be, you're, you know what you're most passionate about? Your story. Why? Because you love talking about yourself. Come on, how many of y'all like talking about yourself? I do. I love talking about myself. That's enough about me. What do you think about me? I mean, that's, we love it. So when you tell your story, man, that's, that's the, that, that is the strength, your testimony. We need to share our testimony, what we've been through. You know my testimony? I was the only child raised by a single mom. Started doing drugs when I was about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, drinking. When I was 21, I met this cute blonde at a fraternity party. She said, you can't date me until you go to church. And I said, I'll go to church. For you, I'll go to church. I wasn't thinking holy thoughts. I can just promise you right there. <laughs> I went to church and I bumped into God. I met Jesus. I didn't meet religion. I met Jesus. And he changed my life forever, forever and ever. What's your story? Bible says in Romans, it says, for, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. I'm not, one translation says, I'm not embarrassed of the gospel. We don't have to be embarrassed of Jesus. We don't have to be embarrassed of the good news. Would you stand with me? If you're at home, would you stand with me if you could, just, just for just a couple seconds? Would you just close your eyes right where you are? I want to pray for you before we go. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Pentecost Sunday. Thank you for changing our lives, changing our hearts. Thank you for allowing us to be part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And God, when we can get out of, out of our own way and allow you to move through us, united together as one, under your direction, Lord, we can see change on our planet. 
We can see change in our city, in our nation, in our communities. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you don't know him personally, and you want to know him, you want to connect with God, you want to, you feel something in your heart. Maybe you knew him at one time in your life and you just kind of fell away from him. You're no longer serving him. But yet you want to, you want, you really feel something on the inside where you want, you don't know what it means, but you want to take that step. I want to pray for you today. If you're watching, I want to pray with you today. If you're here in this room, you say, that's me, Pastor. I want to get right with God. My life is not pleasing to him right now. I know, and I need to get right with God. I need to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Would you just do me a favor? Put your hand right on your chest if you say, that's me. So we can pray together. If you're at home, just do that. Put your hand right on your chest. In a home group, in a house party, just put your hand right on your chest. Just keep your eyes closed. And, and let's all together as a church pray this prayer loud enough so we can hear it with our own ears. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I give my life completely and totally to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me of all my sins and all my mistakes. I will follow you and I will worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.